Saying politicians are lying And just when you feel like crying Sit and have a listen to people who have shit themselves I'm Claudia. I'm Evie and we are the hosts of The Poodcast and we are back for season two. For those of you who don't know, The Poodcast is a podcast on a mission to learn about the lives of those living with bowel and bladder conditions whilst sharing a story or two along the way. This week, our focus will be on dismantling period stigma. Yeah, we're changing it this week. Yeah, we're just mixing it up. Um, So, Claudia, how have your bum and tum been? And also, I suppose if our theme is about periods, perhaps I should also ask you about, um, you know, your womb and yes. um, other parts. All parts. Um, they've all been through something in the last 48 hours. Let's just oh, do a no. let's do a, a little round tour, shall we? Should we start? Yeah. Start with the tum down to the womb and in the bum. <laughs> That's how I like it. <laughs> <laughs> Let's stay, t- stay true to fashion. Oh, God. I'm also really annoyed because I literally was just saying, I can't wait to tell my mum about this episode because this guest that we've got coming on, I think, is going to be so inspiring. And that's how I started it. <laughs> yeah. She's going to turn off now. Oh, just awful. Um, okay. So, Tom, so I found out via Instagram today that today is three years since the day I shat my bed in Paris. Hello! She shit the bed. <laughs> Yeah, you did. What a glorious day, praise be. Um, <laughs> so I decided... Blessed be the poop. Yeah, <laughs> under his eye, <laughs> under his bum. Um, to celebrate <laughs> with, with, an, with an iced coffee. Because I, I thought to myself, oh, I've come so today, far. Today, you've decided to celebrate with an iced coffee. I thought it would be like, I don't know, kind of cementing the occasion. And boy, did I cement it. Um, well, also just because I can seem to have this this brand of iced coffees, I I seem to be all right with these. I can't have any others, but th- mm. this one is okay. So I thought I'd get this um, because I had to pop into Sainsbury's to pick up stuff for a cooking class that I was doing with my kids today. Lovely. So I I added that I added that on, and then during said cooking class, I'd had the uh, the iced coffee about ten minutes before. I thought I was going to shit myself, oh, no. like for real. Thought I was going to shit myself. And the other two members of staff were so engaged with the children that they were helping. I didn't feel like I could leave. So the clenching that was going on today was horrific. And when I did manage to get to the toilet, goddamn near blocked it. It it was like just legit awful. And and also it's right next to the classroom. So I just constantly have this anxiety that they can that even if they can't hear me going to the toilet, they can hear the silence, i.e. how long it's taking for that hand dryer to go on and that flush to happen. And that to me just I don't know. But I'm owning I'm it. So sorry. That that okay. what you just described about the clenching, um I pooed myself in a park um yes, last week. Yeah. And it just made me think of when we were talking to Laura Tilt, she said <laughs> Uh, you know how you've got two sphincters, one... The bouncers. Invo- the two bouncers. One is voluntary, one is involuntary. Yeah. Um, I, I assume the anus being one that's voluntary. Yeah. And when I was on the verge of putting myself up, I was like, just remember, it's completely voluntary. I can hold it. It's fine. <laughs> because this isn't involuntary. I can hold it because it's voluntary. Laura said, Laura said, yes, okay, fine. It's got past bouncer one. It ain't getting past bouncer two. Can you imagine if I started doing that in the middle of my class? <laughs> just remember, I have the power to clench. <laughs> this is not going to happen. Kids, are you watching? This is how you hold a poo in. You can see it. And I really did think it was going to work. It really did help me. But um, 
<laughs> Sorry. He just has oh. a message from our producer saying this should be the next Pixar film. Literally these two bouncers. It's like the same characters as Up, but it's called Down. <laughs> <laughs> Plop Down. <laughs> so yeah, so that was, that was today. So Bum and Tum were not good, but I, I mean, fuck it. Maybe just proves that I have learned nothing in three years. At least I didn't shit in the bed today. It was yeah. it was in the toilet. And you were awake when you did it. And so. I was awake, not dreaming about a pooing competition. For those of you that don't know what I'm talking about, you may want to revert to season one, episode one. Must listen to that. For cool. the story where I shat the bed in Paris <laughs> while my sisters were in the room whilst I was having a dream about being in a pooing competition at my local school. Anyway. We've made this all about, like, conditions and IBS, but that wasn't even IBS. It's just because Claudia drank... 17 so crazy bitch cocktails so <laughs> um and then yeah then the old the old womb ugh, i've had cystitis so bad the last few days there's been oh. there's been a, an awkward situation that i'm involved in and oh. i feel and i get very very nervous like around confrontation um and it has it is the first thing that happens the first thing that happens to me is i just feel the cystitis coming on that is seems to be how my body deals with the stress of of punishing myself even more and the more that happens the more in a worse mood i feel so then the more anxious i feel and i've just been in the bath for hours i've been sleeping every night with a pillow on like in between my legs so i can clench because <sighs> it's the only way i can fall asleep because i i lie there just constantly thinking i need to go to the toilet yeah. So I, I feel a bit better with a pillow in between my legs because then I can kind of like push down on something and that seems yeah. to help a bit. But yeah, so I, I feel like you. there's That's been a horrible. lot going on. It does sound like it's been a very busy bod. It has been a busy bod, mine. How's yours, babe? How's your bum, your tum and your womb? Well, I'm really, really sorry about all that, though. I mean, at first, I'm not going to lie, I was a bit I was a bit sceptical because of the introduction of the iced coffee. I thought, kind of gorgeous. <laughs> No sympathy there. But then actually, I did it a couple of weeks ago. I had a coffee and nearly shit myself on the bus. And then the cystitis <laughs> is not your fault. And I've just got to, I think we've all just got to learn to just be sympathetic, even if you've had a nice coffee. Show me the compassion, please. I don't know, exactly. So I'm really sorry you've been going through that. I now feel a little bit, um, a bit rude if I now go on about something positive that's happening in my life. But something go really, on. really good has happened. Cheer me up. I have, for the first time in years... I found a pair of knickers that I love. I don't agree with pants, okay? I don't go commando, but I don't agree with pants. They're always there. I can feel them. They're never the right size. They're never the right material. Don't like it. Oh. I have found a five-pack of scalloped-edged pants, which are... From? They're from Shein, I'm ashamed to say. They're from she Shein. love Shein. I love it. And I got five pairs for six pounds. And they are perfect size. They're just enough elastic around the waist to keep them up, but they don't fall down. They're scalloped edge, they're invisible under pants, and they're just breathable, and I just love them so much. So I think I'm going to order some more because the the reason I had to do this is because I, I realised almost every pair of pants I owned had a little... I don't know what to call it. I want to call it the clit hole, but I don't think we should. But it's... Do you ever get the, the hole right at the front of your knickers? Okay. What is that? I can't what believe I'm about that? to talk about this. Yeah, but... I've been thinking go. about this a lot. There are two problems I have in my life. I have so many more. But that, that, come, <laughs> that come to mind about this. Yeah. One, every day when I get home, I have sweat marks around my big toes. Just my big toes. 
Anyway, let's okay. go past that. <laughs> Not quite but sure. these are the two things that always happen. Number two is a small hole, like you're referring to, yeah. the clit hole. And I'm going to be crass, but I've wondered, is it like a thing, like essentially is like discharge burning an acid hole in my pants? Oh, really? That was what I was thinking it was. What <laughs> toxic waste discharge? Yeah, like, you know, like in films, like cartoons, but it's like... This was my concern. Is that what's happening? But I, don't I haven't know spoken would... to anybody about this, but since you brought it up, I yeah. feel like I must be frank. That's I've, what's happening. I'm so glad because I've not spoken to anyone about it either, but a common problem in my pants is that I get a hole... <laughs> this is the storybook that just Evie's written for kids. A common problem in my pants. <laughs> what is causing that? I feel like if it were some kind of discharge, that wouldn't really be the quite the right place. Okay, good. I'm glad you said that because I was worried about my toxic discharge. <laughs> no, I think I think your discharge is probably is it fine. a protruding clitoris? What is it? I know, but I was thinking that. But then I don't think that I Mine's do have not. a particularly protrude. Well, notoriously hard to find. So yeah. is it some? Is it where we walk? Is it a chafing issue? Is it? that's where the weakest part of the pants are is because it's doing the most stretching at the front i don't know but okay we're gonna have to put this out i need people to answer to me why yeah. there's a hole in my pants and sweat by my big toes yeah that's Fix gonna it. take two very different people to reply to those questions they're out there they're out there just help us if you've got any any information on why we get those holes in our pants then please do email us in on the official at gmail.com but you know everybody rest assured i've got new pants so it's okay fine, fine. yeah sorry <laughs> i made it about me no <laughs> no, my no, toes. Absolutely. no no it's it's all about everyone and i'm so glad that you've joined in because i really was worried perhaps i had a, a you know grotesque oversized clitoris sort of just fighting its way through my pants my friend once showed me hers because she we'd had a lot of red wine and she said to me she was worried that hers was ugly isn't it funny how we all think about these things about different parts of our body she got it out yeah, she And what did me. you think of it? Was it? It was, it was beautiful. Was it lovely? And I bloody told her so. And then we hugged. I let her put her pants up first. Yeah. <laughs> Permission to discuss condition. So this week, to continue our fascination with all bodily functions, we are switching up a bit and our topic is dismantling period stigma. We're really pleased to have Akushla Young join us. Akushla works for iRise, an organisation that believes no one should be held back by their period. They work in the UK and East Africa to ensure that all people who have periods can reach their full potential. Welcome Akushla, how's your bum and tum my love? Hi, thank you so much for having me. Um, it's really nice to see your faces because I was listening to you guys this morning. Um, and so it's nice to be able to see faces to the voice. Um, we haven't disappointed you. No, not we? at I feel all. very sweaty. No, Do they no, match? Because no. sometimes I find when I listen to a podcast, I hear a voice and then I see their face. I'm like, that doesn't match their voice. No, I think I think you do match your voices. <laughs> Obnoxious and, and <laughs> loud. Not at all. <laughs> um, but yes, Bum and Tum. Bum is doing pretty well, I would say. I mean, considering that I'm not really supposed to eat gluten and dairy, I've been consuming a lot of mini eggs. Um, which (laughs) it's not going too well but you know (laughs) you know when you're just sort of working from home and you're like do you know what I need to sit on the toilet for a bit no one's stopping me so yeah you can eat the mini eggs on the toilet, just save Literally, everyone some time. Yeah. Yeah. It's just a really quick cycle. <laughs> yeah. Fine. yeah, so the mini eggs have been getting to me a little bit. Um, but I think other than that, sort of some urethra pain as usual. Yeah, yeah. The whole sort of interstitial cystitis slash painful bladder thing. Not sure what's going on, um, but that's been playing up 
as per usual. Do you want to give us a quick rundown, Akasha? Because you you got in contact with us after uh, briefing us a little bit about your conditions and then we found out all about your yes, fantastic yeah. work you do. So should we start with that? Yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, so, your stuff. Yeah, so yeah, I'll tell you as much as I know. Um, so okay. I have um, IBS. So I was diagnosed with IBS when I was 15 and it's mostly quite under control now. Um, when I was at school it was really difficult but it's kind of I've grown to know you know what my body wants and what it doesn't want which is really helpful and it wants mini eggs so it wants the heart wants mini eggs so (laughs) that's what it's getting um and then in terms of kind of bladder stuff um I've always sort of dealt with some kind of urethra pain um since I was a child but it was very sort of very very on and off um then when I was a teenager it just exacerbated and sort of now as an adult it's all the time um so i'm currently kind of in the phase of figuring out what it is um so i'm waiting for an appointment with urology which is great so it's good that you know i'm getting somewhere but it's kind of been pre-diagnosed as um urethral pain syndrome slash interstitial cystitis um so basically painful bladder syndrome but kind of all around the urethra rather than the entire bladder um so that's kind of my knowledge of what's going on so far but all I really know is I spend a lot of time with a hot water bottle between my thighs standing up a lot so that's (laughs) that's kind of what I know but hopefully we should figure out through urology um what it is um and also through you guys kind of seeing all of the the different people that you speak to on Instagram that's been really helpful um so you know it really has um because I didn't really even consider sort of pelvic issues um Mm. and now sort of I've been looking into that and sort of pelvic floor problems um and I think you know if this doesn't work with urology it's not the end of the road I think there's actually other things out there which might be able to help so you've been you know a source of motivation which is which is great (laughs) I really needed to hear that today (laughs) (laughs) because thank you thank you very much I think it's quite cool actually this is sort of the first guest that we've ever had that's kind of got in contact with us and it's just really really nice it feels kind of more like a a two-way conversation rather than just asking someone else questions this I feel great (laughs) (laughs) yeah totally I mean as soon as you started talking about kind of like poo so openly I was like I know if I'm a people so (laughs) (laughs) welcome to your stinky ass tribe (laughs) literally So, Akusha, can you tell us a little bit about iRise and the work that you guys do? Yeah, of course. Um, So I'm the advocacy coordinator at iRise International. Um, And as you said, iRise basically strives to create a world where no one is held back by their period. And we work sort of across the UK and also in East Africa, where we have our sister organisation called iRise Institute East Africa. Um, And they do incredible work there, sort of empowering girls and women to own their own bodies, dismantling menstrual stigma, um, and kind of empowering themselves and their families. And we do very much the same work here in the UK. Um, so a lot of the work that I do is very sort of advocacy, activism based. And I spend a lot of time with young people, kind of providing training and mentorship to support them to turn their communities into period-friendly communities. And also we're doing a really exciting sort of project this year where we're taking the energy of all of these young people who are passionate about ending period poverty to the national level. Um, which is really exciting. So I think just kind of like watch this space really with iRise. You might sort of see us in the in the year down the line doing some sort of really great work at that national level, which is exciting. Well, it sounds absolutely incredible. Um, and, you know, such a worthy cause. There's so, based on what you've just said, I mean, I have so many questions. Uh, well, we have so many questions. But you did mention at the beginning there, you mentioned a stigma that um, surrounds periods. 
could you just tell us a bit about what those stigmas are and why do they exist you know you know both here and in um east africa and east asia and i mean all around the world but are are the differences in different locations and and Mm -hmm. what are those stigmas yeah so i think if you kind of take what the word stigma means um it means that someone has some kind of characteristic or identifies in a certain way which is believed to be negative by society um and so obviously you guys experience that with with talking about poo you know people don't really want to talk about poo um but sometimes for your health you absolutely have to um and it's very much the same for for periods um so the stigma across sort of both contexts is really similar um a lot of the ways in which the girls that we work with experience stigma and the consequence of that are incredibly similar in terms of um, their self-esteem, lack of confidence, um, lack of motivation to sort of participate in um, sports as well, um, school absenteeism, that's obviously a huge problem that we're seeing in Uganda. And the consequences of that are that sort of women and young girls feel that they're not able to talk about this really normal process that they go through every single month. Um, and it can lead to a lot of suffering and it can lead to a lot of misdiagnoses and really late diagnosis as well um, of endometriosis and PCOS, which is um, incredibly difficult to deal with. So I think in terms of how they experience it, it's very similar um, with girls being embarrassed about talking about it, especially in front of boys. That's something that's really come about sort of from our work. And I suppose the way in which that manifests, um, it can be really jarring to see the work that we do sort of in Uganda especially with girls not being able to afford period products and so having to engage in transactional sex to buy pads um, and all of these kind of horrific things um, leading to unwanted teenage pregnancy. So menstrual health I think it's interesting because it sounds like it's just about giving people pads but it's so much more than that. Um, If you really kind of follow the journey of a girl or someone with a period and what they go through it's about kind of their life expectancy and life chances as well so yeah it's a, it's a much bigger thing I think than just kind of product okay. and do you find that there are some myths amongst these stigmas about you know whether women should be allowed in certain rooms mm. or or that, that that they are uh ill at this point and therefore should be slept in the separate place to the man or what kind mm. of things do you hear that need to kind of be debunked yeah I mean there's so many things um and I think it's also really important to know that they exist in sort of the western world as well as other places yes we think about it that it must be in these other cultures that haven't Mm. been educated exactly um and that's completely kind of a really wrong way to think about um menstrual health in general because so much of the menstrual health movement has come from some fantastic work from women in east africa Um, and other places which are sort of developing at the moment but I think in terms of kind of myths and taboos and that sort of thing we see in the UK some really kind of simple things for example you can't get pregnant um, if you have sex on your period that's obviously incredibly dangerous myth for young girls to hear Um, I know that I heard that at school um, and I know that girls are still hearing that and it's it's scary I think for them to to be hearing those kind of things and not having something or someone giving them the real information that they need Mm. to make informed decisions about their bodies so there's obviously those kind of things but also things like you know if you insert a tampon it might get lost inside of you yes kind of myths like that um really kind of affect girls in this country and then in 
East Africa, especially in Uganda, we see that often kind of menstruation is treated as a disease um, or as something that's dirty. And you're right in the sense that many um, women are not sort of able to touch foods or even um, hold children because they're sort of afraid that they might be contaminating them in some way. So even though the, the myths are quite sort of culturally and contextually different, um, they still kind of result in the feeling that women are not enough and that women are sort of less than the man due to menstruation. I feel um, slightly um, strange saying this after you said something just quite, um, you know, important. This is just something that I actually experienced at school. There was a boy in my year... And this is okay. kind of sort of says how it also affects men because they grow up knowing absolutely jack shit um, across the board in all areas. I'm just checking. Um, but there was a boy in my year at school and he thought, when we were 16, he thought that um, tampons were so women didn't lay eggs. <laughs> we were 16 my, as well. My neck just stretched so far forward in response to that comment. He thought it was so what? the egg didn't fall out. That's what the, the tampons were for. And I just couldn't believe that we'd got to a point where where periods was, were not mentioned, would barely been spoken about. We could understand, I don't know, like mitochondria, and yet he couldn't understand the simple process of oh, what a tampon was for. I just could I, I was so shocked. And I, I'm sorry, I have to pitch in here as well with another like recent story recent? of a friend of mine. Well, as in like back, I think this must have been about two, three years ago. So same age as us, she's 28 or whatever. So she must be like 26 at the time or something. And she'd been on a night out the night before. And so the next day was being sick at work. She was very hungover. Um, and I think all she'd eaten that morning was porridge with a lot of raspberries in it. And so she was being sick and a, a colleague came in, a male colleague, um, to, <laughs> to see if she needed help. And he went, oh, God, are you OK? And she went, yeah, sorry, I'm, I'm hungover, but I'm also on my period. So I just feel rough. And he went, oh, that explains why it's red then. <laughs> looking at the vomit in the toilet that was raspberries. Yeah, of course it does. Yeah, that explains it. And I think she said he, he was early 30s. So it's it's very, very concerning. Yeah. And I don't mean for us to, like, put a, a humorous spin on a very serious yeah. subject. But it is, like... That's just... That's a, that's a drop in the ocean, isn't it? That yeah. is just a drop in the ocean. Absolutely. I mean, where does it come down to in education? How, how early are we being taught about menstrual health and and are we even being taught the right things do you think so i mean here in the uk um so the government recently released a sort of a new um sexual health relationship curriculum last year um and unfortunately it's not really been disseminated in schools in the uk because of covid obviously mm, um of but the it's it's progressive in the way that it acknowledges the fact that kids need to know what a period is um, which is a good start. Um, <laughs> but if you if you kind of really look into the details of it, it's very wishy-washy around, you know, when should these kids know about this and how much should these kids know about this? And also how should they be taught about it as well? There's not a lot of guidance around that. Um, so the kind of the general guidance is they want school children to know about puberty um, by the end of year six. And menstruation is just kind of like bulked within that. Um, it's very much, you know, if you're a girl, probably between the age of 12 and 18, you'll have a period. But that's kind of as much as is compulsory, which obviously we don't think is really good enough. <laughs> um, I think that 
obviously having a period is a huge part of puberty but the menstrual cycle in itself stands by itself to be something that needs to be understood separated from from puberty because it's something that not only does it happen through puberty but through the rest of your life and then also through menopause it's something that's forever changing um and so people need to you need to know about it need to know you know what what's normal for them and what's not normal for them exactly yeah. i mean why are we taught so much about bloody pythagoras <laughs> which you you know you don't go on to use later in life when we're not being like you said you might be taught that you know women will then may have a period or they might not but to be honest actually you're not taught that you might not yeah. have a period yeah. or you're not taught to to what to look out for a bit like i feel like it's kind of hammered home a lot recently to you probably in the last decade or so to be checking our breasts mm-hmm. But you're not really taught about what to look out for, for things like endometriosis. Like, you're not taught of these telltale signs Mm. to the point that I find I message my friends, we're all in our late 20s. We're all asking each other still about these questions. I still don't feel like I have a good education Mm. on what I should be looking Mm. out for. Yeah, absolutely. It's quite scary. Yeah, I mean, to be honest, I'm still learning things. Like, I've been sort of involved in everything to do with the uterus and vagina for years now. Um, And there's still things that come about oh my gosh, I didn't know that. Or, oh, I I thought that was true and it's actually not. Um, Mm. And so it just kind of proves to to say that there's not enough out there. There's not enough that's accessible and compulsory. And also, I think another thing to say is that we often kind of talk about periods as being a women's issue, whereas in fact, obviously, there are transgender individuals who have periods. Mm -hmm. um, And we don't know whether in schools are the boys and girls being separated, are girls being taught about periods and the boys aren't. There's not kind of any information to know that there. Um, And it's down to schools individually to make those decisions. And do you think also boys are like, you know, sometimes if I don't know if you're if in A level, they're like, oh, we're going to do a a business taster course. And I'm thinking, well, I want to be a hairdresser, so I don't need to listen. Do you think there is almost that agenda with a lot of young boys that they don't feel like it's being hammered home that they need to listen? Because this also is something that they need to know, like that they just switch off because it doesn't apply to them. Yeah, I mean, absolutely. I think I think it works both ways as well. I think that sort of in my opinion, I think boys should be learning about menstruation. And I think that girls should learn everything about the penis as well. Um, I think that you kind of need to be cheesy, obviously, knowledge is power. Um, I think if you're able to to know what's going on with your body and potentially a a future sort of sexual partner's body, you're able to make informed decisions that keep you healthy and keep you safe um, Mm -hmm. from both sides. So I think it's, it's something that it needs to be taught to everyone, regardless of whether you have a uterus or not. I think it's it's important and I but there is kind of one thing to say around that though and that is that young girls typically are so stigmatized already before the time that they even start menstruation that it can be difficult for them to learn about it in an environment with boys and yeah. so that has to be considered too if you want to kind of create a safe space where girls feel like they can ask questions you need to do that as well as having the integrated education. Yeah, d- definitely. I, I completely see what you're you're saying there, and and the feeling. I don't know, maybe being nine, possibly. I think is when we kind of got separated, nine or ten. How would I have felt with boys being around? Maybe not so comfortable, but then also it does seem completely mad to separate you because whether you're a woman or going to be a man or whatever, you're going to have somebody of the opposite sex in your life at some point who's going to be close to you, um, whether it's a, a friend, a partner, whatever. You kind of need to know that as well. And I think yeah. particularly it does... It, it I was watching um 
Rod Gilbert's program. He d- he's done the, oh, yes. something about infertility, and it just kind of I just really really felt like if 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 men were more part of the conversation around fertility and periods, they would be so much better informed like later on in their life. And it, it was quite shocking to me actually how kind of little they knew. And it's not it's not their fault. They got separate, you know they weren't taught about it. So you know let's talk about it more. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> how do so how do you then go go about breaking this down what how do you actually sort of get that in I mean you must do this all the time with your work it must be really really hard trying to break down barriers that have been there for centuries (laughs) yeah I think to be honest sometimes when I speak to sort of a new community that I've not spoken to I forget about the stigma because obviously within my office it's non-existent in a way um because yeah. we talk about yeah. it so openly so freely um and everyone around me knows that you know I'm going to talk about vaginas and vulvas and everyone just has to deal with it but I think when you go sort of when you're talking to a new community about the stigma it's just it's really so much about listening to everyone's individual experiences really getting to the root cause as to why they're experiencing stigma and one thing that we like to do is to kind of identify some kind of positive deviant within communities and if they can sort of infiltrate their community through the you know what whatever existing power structure there is within it that can be really helpful and I think to be honest it can take years um, like the work that our team do in Uganda they will keep going back to say a, a particularly rural village where period poverty is really difficult and they will keep going back with new evidence new learning just opening up that space to have a dialogue to talk about it and they don't give up basically yeah. um and it it take it can take a really long time to kind of break through that stigma but it does happen i think it does happen when you show people evidence of you know if if you give a girl xyz this is her how her life may go compared to if you didn't do that and so that that those kind of conversations and space for dialogue really helps. But ultimately, I think, especially for men, it's just about being an ally to people with periods and making sure that you're you're contributing to making your community and your space period friendly alongside those who menstruate. And what have been some of the positive outcomes you've been able to see through your work? Yeah, so I mean not to brag, but quite a lot, I think. <laughs> Do it. Like, that's what you're here for, for bragging. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I think when we kind of work with young girls, especially, one of the main things that really sticks out to me is that increase in self-esteem and confidence. Um, I think you often have those really sort of measurable targets of, you know, girls are staying in school for this many more days, or they're this kind of, they're, they're this much more confident on their period because they feel secure and safe with the products they're using. And those things are obviously fantastic and a huge part of what we do but I think kind of my personal favorite thing to see is that increase in confidence that they are not less than their peers and through sort of being able to understand that menstruation is normal we can talk about it we as people with periods can own that own that experience of having a period it really kind of places the power back in the hands of the girls um, and it's really wonderful to see when you go into a school and you sort of have been doing a workshop or something and you have, you know, an 11 year old girl engaging her brother in periods and knowing that <laughs> <laughs> and knowing that she has the confidence to do that, no matter kind of the response that she might get. That's really impressive. Um, I think one thing in the UK, one um, project we did last year 
it was an eight-week course of workshops in a school in South London. And at the beginning, the girls were absolutely terrified of when I said the word period. They were like, oh my gosh, you need to close the door. What if the boys can hear us? Like, if the door was a crack open, they would just be looking at the door and they'd be so anxious. And I was like, oh gosh, this is, this is going to be hard. And then by the end of it, there were quite a few of them who were able to openly say the word vagina, which was great. Yeah. <laughs> that was a huge kind of step for us. I'm imagining at one of those pantos, you know, where they stand on the side and it said applause, but instead of applause, it's vagina. It just says vagina. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, and they were also able to create a worksheet for people who don't have periods, so specifically boys, um, around what they wanted from them in terms of kind of support. So good. Um, yeah, it's, you can actually find it on our website. It's a free resource that we have there. Um, we have a worksheet Amazing. for people who have periods wanting to dismantle that, who are kind of between the ages of sort of eight to 16 and we have the same thing for people who want to support those with periods age eight to 16 designed by people who have periods Incredible. which is great so yeah I, I could, can I could you go, on. go speak to Boris Johnson please I really feel like we need to get you into government because but sort it, of out, just please. That. yeah like the, the, it is being designed to educate people by the people that are going through it yeah. like I'm sorry how often does that happen how often do you see a picture of a table of men signing something yeah, about abortion rights like that is just that's so exciting yeah. to hear I mean it is it's a, it's a huge part of what we do at iRise kind of the idea of transformative leadership um we believe that you know women's a woman's place is at the leadership table <laughs> that's kind of what we say oh, yeah. um and I think it's important to us that issues that affect individuals are those who are making decisions that are going to change their circumstance and that just it seems radical in some places which to me just mind-boggling I'm just thinking <laughs> yeah. well you know if you're the person who's experiencing period poverty surely you should have the say in how you want that situation to improve like that doesn't seem to be difficult to, to, to understand but yeah we, we kind of we really foster this idea of diverse leadership and those who are experiencing period poverty must have their voices amplified um, and they must be leading from the front as well um, which is a huge part of what we do especially with young people is kind of empowering young people to take that position at the front of the fight which is it's great to see and yeah I'm just really kind of honored to be a part of it really <laughs> it's so amazing and I wonder like you you know we're linking it back to obviously this podcast I wonder how many of our guests would have loved so or our listeners would have loved something like this about their bowel or bladder condition mm-hmm. and and having tips from a young age on how to talk to people about it because like you said it's just it's that shame it's that feeling of embarrassment and you have enough of that to deal with mm-hmm. at that age like it's overwhelming. and it's also it's not it isn't just the embarrassment of it it's also then the the um other plot line that you've got to add in i mean rather than saying oh actually i'm on my period today so i've got to do x y and z it's like oh i'm feeling a bit sick or da 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 like with with you know with me or various times i've needed to go to the toilet i've bullshitted and said it's about something else so it's not just about the embarrassment of that it's these other things going on that you're having to work in overdrive to try and kind of conceal what you're going through we had a guest on lois who said she used to to try and cover up the smell she used to <laughs> she used to light a match every time in the bathroom because she heard that that smell would that would take that would take any other smells away yeah. I think at school definitely there was a big culture of um people trying to slip tampons into blazers and sneak off to the toilet and 
I remember once I wanted to go to the toilet with my bag and this male teacher just went absolutely apeshit at me. He was like, you can't take your bag, can't take your bag. And then another girl was like, There's I, no cocaine. I think she should be able to take her bag, actually. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. So it's, you know, it, we just need to... Do you, th- do you think we'll ever get to a place where schoolgirls will be able to say openly what they're going through and at that time as well because sometimes Mm. as well it's easier I mean even for me to say oh I actually shit myself three days ago Mm -hmm. rather than I'm about to shit Shit myself (laughs) yeah do you think we'll (laughs) do you think we'll ever get to that to that point or or how long do you think that could take yeah I mean I absolutely do think we can get to that point I think that sort of menstrual equality is a huge part of gender equality in general um and I think that it's a really difficult thing to do to to ask kind of an 11 year old girl to sort of understand that she doesn't have to be embarrassed. That's that's quite a lot of um, responsibility really. But I think one of the things that I really like to see is peer to peer led education and peer to peer support. Because like, for example, if I walk into a classroom to teach a class about periods, they do see me as not one of them, obviously. I mean, I'm 25. They see me as, you know, an adult. Whereas if someone from their school, like in sixth form, walks in, it's a completely different <laughs> vibe. Um, and I think to have people like within your immediate community saying this, this is okay to talk about, that hugely helps. And it was it's not just something that we see with age; it's also something that you see kind of with culture as well. So we were uh, delivering a menstrual education workshop to a group of girls who were predominantly Muslim, um, and the way that kind of their their eyes lit up when someone also Muslim walked into the conversation and was able to talk about things that they can relate to, like what is haram and what is not haram, things that I obviously don't have experience of because I'm not Muslim. It's so powerful. And I think that that is kind of the key to making it happen at such a young age is by getting younger people talking to each other um, and becoming advocates in themselves. Yeah, absolutely. And I love what you said there about the, the responsibility responsibility of it. That is quite a big responsibility because sometimes even if we are open that doesn't always mean it's going to be received well or openly or that person's going to be understanding so if you can take away the shame for yourself then you know that's on them that's on the other person I think you know that's especially with with young people as you say that is an absolutely huge responsibility Mm. um something that we were also quite wanting to talk about was um what I find really interesting is the um, luxury tax that surround um, sanitary products, and yeah. which is now now changed, I think, in the UK and Scotland, or just Scotland, both, both. Yeah. Um. Why? Why was that? Why was that in place in the first place? And um, <laughs> why did it take so long to change that? So, I think um, the short answer, which actually isn't really a short answer, it's quite complicated, is um capitalism and the patriarchy i think that oh, yeah then yeah <laughs> just brush over yeah <laughs> so i think those things are kind of at the core as to why tampons and menstrual products are being taxed in the first place again it comes down to leadership that people who are making these decisions are not people who have periods yeah. i mean it was something that we we discovered that at the beginning of the pandemic so boris johnson's emergency team was 100 percent male and that's one of the reasons why sort of domestic abuse wasn't brought to the table when we first had the first lockdown there was yeah. no conversation around you know if you're suffering with domestic abuse you can leave luckily that's been now said during this third lockdown but the fact that it's not even on their radar is such a huge issue and so I think like with the tampon tax that's something that existed in the UK for a really long time it was I think said that 
they couldn't take the tax away because of something to do with Brexit, but now they could. I don't know, it's very political, I won't get into it. <laughs> but basically, uh, now it is finally being taken away um, because, I mean, it's, it, it's self-explanatory, isn't it? Like, it's something that you can't choose to have. It's not something that you think, oh, I'm going to treat myself to a tampon today. Like <laughs> Tampax you, Pearl, I'm exactly flush. like if you need the period products and you need them and that's it. There's nothing that you can do to kind of stop yourself from having a period. Um, and so I think it's just through honestly like activism and through campaigning that that's really come to people's attention and has finally been semi-solved in a way. And obviously with Scotland introducing the the free periods, free free periods, all periods are free, really, aren't they? free period products <laughs> you don't have to pay for them <laughs> um, well yet you do pay <laughs> yeah free period products in sort of public buildings in scotland which is absolutely fantastic and that was led by an mp called monica lennon who um was amazing and she she kept going <laughs> with that so check out her stuff um but in terms of the uk i think we have england sorry we have a lot of catching up to do um to be able to kind of get to the place where we're saying yes period products are essential and therefore everyone should have access to them um we obviously saw that period products were becoming free in schools which was a great step then obviously lockdown happened and schools were like felt like their hands were tied and it's a shame because that that initial initiative wasn't really taken up very well anyway i think it was a 40 to 50 percent uptake by schools in the uk um and then obviously when lockdown happened kids weren't going to school so how are they supposed to access these products but just to set that record straight schools can still order products free um and are able to like deliver them to those in need um so that is possible and i think one of the things that i think is important to know is that this importance of having period products be free is something that is has been championed in east africa for such a long time so if we look at sort of uganda they set forward a bill for free period products for all schoolgirls um, in 2014, um, which wow. in 2014, period poverty wasn't hugely on people's minds in the UK. It's become a lot more trendy and a lot more sexy to talk about period poverty <laughs> now. And Zambia is also the same. A few years ago, they wanted to roll out free period products. Um, unfortunately, due to sort of capacity issues and resources, that hasn't really been the case where it's happened. But the fact that it's been acknowledged and has been said, you know, this is a problem that we need to sort out now, 10 years before people in the West have, it says something huge kind of about like, you know, neo-colonial perspectives on development and who should be leading who. Um, and it's a really important conversation to have. And what can we be doing as, you know, as regular citizens to to educate ourselves, to educate others? Like, I know that sometimes people kind of almost get these stock phrases when they when they're going to meet up with relatives that they know that they need to, you know, call bullshit out on. Are there things that, you know, good statistics that we should be knowing to educate other people if somebody says, oh, you know, aren't flowing love? Is that why you're being a bit fucking mardy today? Other oh, than yeah. punching them in the face. Yeah, I mean, there is violence. Um, <laughs> but we, we, we try not to go for that, that one. <laughs> um, so I think it's really simple things, to be honest. I think, firstly, calling a period a period is incredibly empowering. Um, and as you say, kind of all of these euphemisms are really just skirting around the fact that no one wants to say the actual word. It's what it is. Um, and I know that as sort of women, we've experienced that with genitalia as well. Like, when I was young, I, I don't think I knew the word vagina until I was maybe 11 or no. 12. Yeah, same. 
which is just insane because every boy knew they had a willy but what did we have you know it was it's not something that's spoken about so I think calling it what it is um is really important I think also just making it visible as well um so as you were saying like at school when you know you put your tampon up your sleeve and you kind of run to the bathroom if you're in your workspace you can just get your menstrual product out of your bag and walk confidently to the bathroom because you have a uterus and that's fine um, and it's just really small things like that can really impact other people's perspectives. And I think it can be challenging because it can bring bring out sort of conversations that perhaps might be quite confrontational. But I think if you look at period equality in this bigger spectrum of gender equality and you know how important it is, then something that small can really go a long way. And I think there's, you know, there's that argument of, of men potentially saying that they feel uncomfortable mm-hmm. And it, it's just juxtaposed with women literally sitting in discomfort. Mm. And it, it is crazy that that, you know, that opinion seems to have trumped that feeling and that discomfort. Yeah. And I think, like you said, it, the more people can do that. I and mean, I'm just imagining a pen pot instead filled with tampons on somebody's work desk. I think yeah. that should just be... Yeah. Or a packet, that of, should be packet the norm. of fags. You could open that yeah. and take just a little tampon. Take a tampon. Tampon. Open. Yeah, take <laughs> exactly. <laughs> I actually, I know people who do that kind of sort of within the, the menstrual space. One of my friends, Maria, she has sort of um, a product kind of display on her desk. Amazing. Um, <laughs> and it's not even just for people who need the products. It's literally just for a conversation starter. It's like, yeah, I've got some tampons there. And it's just to have that conversation. She's like a flasher, you know, those, <laughs> yeah. those coats just open up. What do you need? What do you want? <laughs> like, I bet you weren't expecting that. Um, <sighs> but yeah, there's just really small things you can do, which, which hugely help. Amazing. Yeah, I think it's fantastic. And I think, you know, exactly what you said, just walking confidently to the toilet with, you know, tampon in hand. Mm. I don't think I've ever seen that, actually, in my whole life. <laughs> I'm trying to think of like a song we could think of for people to channel in their heads while they're doing that like power walk bleeding love <laughs> Keep bleeding. <laughs> but like some sort of remix there's got to be a, yes, a bit there. more a bit more upbeat oh, we'll work it amazing. out we'll get it on the instagram <laughs> <laughs> and because you did say to us in your email because we tend to to prod people until they admit to us that they've got Im- embarrassing bowel or bladder or menstrual stories mm-hmm. hit us with your best what do you got <laughs> okay i mean it was quite it's quite difficult to kind of narrow them down to be honest um, <laughs> that, I think, that is just so what we want to hear <laughs> <laughs> yeah. i think probably one of my most recent ones which was a few months ago actually was that so lockdown was happening and me and my housemates were like let's have a party let's get drunk obviously with people in our households just to be clear yeah. i was about to be like babe we're gonna have to edit that out <laughs> no, no, no. we're gonna people... report you it's <laughs> yeah we had a huge house party. No. It, was, it was a party of literally four of us um and i don't know if you guys experienced this but with my ibs alcohol huge trigger oh, huge oh God, it trigger. hasn't stopped me but Jesus. <laughs> oh same absolutely same um and so had quite a few gins um, and the next morning I woke up and I thought, oh God, here comes the alco poo. Um, <laughs> yeah. And that's that's kind of what me and my sister call that, that emergency feeling in the morning when you drink alcohol and it, it's oh, coming. Yeah. Um, yeah. And unfortunately, we only have one bathroom in this house. Um, so I went downstairs and someone was in the shower and I was like, oh God, okay. So I was like figuring out my options. I was thinking there's a garden, um, but there are children next door. So you don't think about these things. <laughs> exactly. Um, and I just thought, oh, God, I don't know what to do. So 
I came back into uh, my bedroom where my partner was and I said, look, I'm really sorry, but this is, this is coming now. And so I stretched open a, ba- a Sainsbury's bag, sat on the floor and had honestly one of the biggest poos of my entire life. <laughs> and it was... <laughs> I mean, luckily, I have a very understanding partner um, yeah, yeah. who thinks this kind of thing is hilarious. So that's great. Did, did they laugh? <sighs> did they oh, laugh? yeah. Did they cry? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Like, it, it was it was mortifying, but also I was laughing at the same time. I was, like, pooing okay. and laughing. Pooing um, <laughs> 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 and laughing at the situation. Which is difficult to do, everybody. That is yeah. difficult it to is. do. It is. That's literally what I was going to say. It does yeah. hurry things along sometimes. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> and then I just thought, I don't know what to do with this now. Like, what do I do with it? Um, and then I thought, okay, well, people who have kids and they, you know, have nappies and diapers, yeah. they go straight in the bin, don't they? So I thought, yeah. okay, it's fine. I'll just put it straight in the bin. And I just never thought that I would just walk through my own house carrying a bag of my own shit. Um, but I did. I did that. And the thing <laughs> is, you haven't been the first to do that on this podcast. No, Sainsbury's no. tends to be a weirdly running <laughs> really? theme. I've genuinely never heard anyone mention Tesco's. It's yeah. always been Sainsbury's. Never little. I think it is. It's because the Sainsbury's bags are obviously orange and neon. And I think when you're in that emergency situation, you see that colour. Yeah, and then, yeah, you go straight for it. Yeah, that that was what I was doing. But that, I mean, that is absolutely fantastic. And I mean, we've spoken to somebody else who carried uh, a gift bag of their poo through the toy- through the house, didn't oh, they? Oh, wow. It yeah, was their poo inside a, a gift one. bag, poo inside a Sainsbury's bag. You know, you were just, you know, being quite down to earth. You didn't need any fancy bags. You just thought no, Sainsbury's, no. that'll do, that'll yeah. do it Yeah, there for wasn't me. any receipts in there that you no, needed for your tax and, purposes or anything. No, no, no. And luckily it, it was one of those, um, it was just one of those cheap ones, you know, not a bag for life because that would have been a waste. Devastating. But, yeah. Absolutely wasteful. Yeah. I know, so, yeah. That, oh, I mean, that's that one just, of many. <laughs> that is yeah, absolutely remarkable. Thank you so much for sharing it with us. It just brings us so much joy. You are most welcome. <laughs> and if people did want to find out more about your work or just about you, um, where can they find you? Yeah, so um, iRise is across kind of like all social media platforms. So it's iRise International on Facebook. Um, it's iRise underscore INT on Instagram and Twitter. Um, we're also on LinkedIn as well. Um, but a lot of kind of what I do is channeled through those channels. So I definitely direct people there. Um, we do actually also have a past, a past not a podcast, um, funnily oh. enough, um, called the Empower Period Podcast. Um, and it's kind of really kind of about this this whole idea of transformative leadership and getting young people to be heard in terms of what they want to be prioritised for women and girls and people with periods. Um, so that can be found on Buzzsprout and Spotify as well. Um, yeah. And uh, I rise fundraise. Do you ever fundraise openly for people to support? Yes. Yeah. I mean, at the moment we've kind of just got an open fundraiser, which is going towards our COVID nineteen emergency response. Um, so we're helping. Okay sort of vulnerable and marginalised women in South Yorkshire specifically, which is where we're based, um, but also in Uganda, making sure that child-headed households have food and products. Um, and we're also working with um, local councils to make sure that they're safeguarding to support those vulnerable young girls as well. So yeah, we're always, always fundraising. Um, and if anyone is interested in the work that we do, there's I'll find a space for everyone. So please get in touch. Perfect. And we will make sure we put a a link in the show notes for this. And I'm sure we'll put it on on our socials as well. Thank you. Okay, I'm I'm a little bit in love with you. Me too. I think it's it's remarkable everything that you're doing. So thank you so much. Honestly, you just speak so bloody well. Oh, thank you. (laughs) When I I was 25, I was... 
<laughs> Babe, thank you so much for coming on. I feel like I've learned so much. I feel like I want to spread the word. I'm going to literally speak to my boss tomorrow at school and double check we are doing everything that we can do. Yeah. And yeah, you're wonderful. Amazing. Well, thank you so much for having me. Like, I've really enjoyed this. Um, keep doing the work that you're doing. Keep talking about poo and bladders and bowels. Um, <laughs> I love it. No one, no one can stop yeah, us. Yeah, keep going. <laughs> stop what you're doing. Let's talk about pooing. Okay, stop what you're doing. Let's talk about pooing and everything to do with the toilet. Why do I feel like I'm about to rap? I'm going to stop. Sounds like you've been cast of Oliver. <laughs> I you sounded really cockney. I played the Artful Dodger at school. Oh my God, you are so Artful Dodger. Also, can I point out, I was 17 and every... <laughs> this happened. This used to happen to me quite a lot, actually, like growing up when I was in like youth theatres. Everybody else my age got to audition for the adult roles and I wasn't allowed... What? This also happened when I was like 16 and our local youth theatre was doing Les Mis and I wasn't allowed to audition for any of the adult roles. They just made me audition for the little girl. For Colette? Cassette? Cassette. Whatever her name is. Cassette. <clears throat> Did you get it? No, I fucking didn't because I threw a big strop and I got in trouble. F- yeah, fuck them though. But I was like, fuck you. And anyway, um, but yes, I did play the Artful Dodger at school and I did a fucking sterling job I yeah you are so artful dodger when you wore that jester costume i just thought that's the artful dodger yeah it was good anywho so now is the time for our toilet tales um and we are really pleased actually because our one this week is also surrounding menstruation and kind of you know off the bat of our chat with akushla we we want to continue this ending of stigma in the same way that we've always done if you can't laugh about it then you won't be able to talk about it. That's how, kind of how I feel. So let's continue doing our best to laugh about it. I will say I did put this out to a bunch of my mates just kind of like looking for, for some stories. And one of my mates got back to me and said, the worst thing that happened was when she was 18. Um, she came on a period and she was like, oh, I need to need to go um, into the shop. She was with her boyfriend. Um, and they, <laughs> they ran into the shop um, and she, she got the tampons, put them on the conveyor belt. And she said the guy who was um, selling whatever, working in the shop, was a very similar age. And apparently he went bright red just even seeing that she put these tampons on the shop. <laughs> and he said, this guy, um, this worker said, do you want a bag? looking at her and her boyfriend went no she's going to pop them in straight away (laughs) all of them at once she's just going to shove them up don't worry we'll do it right now all of them yeah she's just going to go underneath the counter (laughs) (laughs) I I would murder them I'd kill them dead oh so good but this one was sent to us by one of our listeners so Eves do you want to do you want to read it out read it out more than anything it says, it was a hot summer day and I was in London to take part in a... Sh- <laughs> Sorry, okay. I said a shit workshop. I'm going to start again. I thought I said shit workshop. Sorry. Shit workshop? <laughs> we'll be running those soon. <laughs> Just like the great British bake-off, but shit. Okay. It was a hot summer day and I was in London to take part in a singing workshop. I knew the weather was going to be glorious all day, so I donned a lovely denim dress and didn't bother with a jacket or cardigan, because that was just being another thing to carry. I was on day three of my period, which is my heaviest day, but I figured if I change my tampon regularly enough, I'll be fine. When I got to the venue, I went to the loos and popped a new one in. The workshop started, and about half an hour in, we were asked to stand so we could all sing at full pelt. 
As I stood and brushed my hand across my bum, as you do to check your dress isn't riding, I thought, oh, I know it's hot, but I wouldn't usually be sweating this much. Oh, God. I looked down and saw a red mark on the plastic chair, and to my horror, a huge leak through my dress. As everyone was singing away, I grabbed my bag and pretty much ran out of the room, hoping that nobody caught sight while they were singing. I headed into the loos, stripped down to my bra and knickers, which were sodden with blood, oh, and God. proceeded to wash my dress under the taps with hand soap, praying nobody would come in. A few washes and shoving the dress under the hand dryer, I got it to a point where there was a light brown patch. I grabbed my things, pretty much pegged it to the tube and stood the whole way home with my back to the door so that people couldn't see the back of my dress. And instead of spending the afternoon singing with a full orchestra, I spent it wallowing in a pit of embarrassment. Isn't that so sad that she missed out on that? That is so crap. I mean, and, it, you know, what a picture you paint of this lovely denim dress that I really want to get my hands that's on. That's a bit of you, that, mate. It, isn't it just? I mean, it sounds great. I thought, lovely summer day, London, yeah. denim dress. What can go wrong? Yeah. That's, that's so rubbish. And, you know, it almost feels like you're trying to blame yourself there because you said, oh, I didn't take a cardigan or a jacket. Yeah. But that's not your fault, ma'am. Like, you can just not have to do that. And this oh, is an interesting God. topic, isn't it? Because, you know, uh, like, as we do every episode, we're all for talking about these things as much as you can to kind of you know relieve the embarrassment and any resentment Ooh, placed on yourself by yourself but yeah. there is very difficult when you're actually dealing with physical blood or poo or we in a social situation to not be embarrassed like even mm. if you know nobody likes being told they've got a booger up their nose like that that's visible to everybody so I don't know I don't know where we go from here in terms of like relinquishing embarrassment mm. at actual bodily fluids in front of people. Yeah, it's you're so right. It's exactly that because if somebody else had pointed that out to her or she'd mentioned it, it's then not just about you, it's about just like if somebody you really don't know very well, you're like you've included them on that and there's no consent there really. Like no. there was I think we've spoken about this before when I was in the um Trafford Centre in Manchester and I went over to a woman to tell her yes. that she was bleeding through her white jeans and that must be difficult to receive in many ways though because she doesn't know who I am and it's just I'm then included on an aspect of her life that she didn't consent to and you know being in a singing class I don't know whether she knew these people or not but oh god it just it, oh yeah those bodily and, and, and it's, it's kind of like the embarrassment of not knowing it's like everybody's in on a joke that you're not aware yes. of I mean I know nobody in this context did see but you're like, oh, dear God, did somebody else see? And I wasn't even part of that. And it's my own blood. You know, it's... I'm trying to think of a scenario where, you know, if, if we were like the two little angels on her shoulder, because there's Which no devils are. in this scenario. If, <laughs> if, if we were with her, what could we suggest in that moment mm. that is going to mean that she doesn't feel embarrassment or shame, but she is able to stay and sing with the goddamn orchestra? Like, is is it owning it and not and not caring that you've got a stain because i don't think very few people could do that especially in a situation mm. where you're going to essentially be on stage or is it not being able to ask for help in that moment not feeling yeah. comfortable to go up to a stranger and say this is what's happened can we please brainstorm some options so i can stay yeah like asking for somebody's jumper yeah, especially if it's a group activity, then like how many people would have to be alerted? It's not just a case of going to the person leading the workshop to say, I'm really sorry, I actually need to go and buy a dress or something and then I'm going to come back. Yeah. Because then you have to stop the whole thing, you know? it's. 
but also I think I think it's okay to want to go home as well. Oh, like, totally. I just I just mean like I I want to kind of like eradicate this situation where that's the only option. And, yes, absolutely. Uh, and I. I don't know. I I I don't. I'm not saying that now everybody should be okay with seeing everybody's blood stains on them, and and that's the mm. world that that we want to live in. But I I want to live in a world where it's completely okay for that to happen, and yeah, you be able to go ask a stranger for help, and yeah, you know, and that that's the thing that can happen. I I I want that to happen. I yeah. Maybe we can get her to come on and sing on the podcast. Yes, I mean. <laughs> We'll be better than it. We'll get a full live orchestra. (laughs) You on the recorder. I'll be on the ukulele doing my fucking best. I can play one thing on the recorder. You can can play play? many things on the ukulele. Yeah, I can play the Lord of the Rings theme tune on the recorder. Why can I only hear do 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 do? That's Game of Thrones. What's Lord of the Rings? Yeah. Uh, it goes. I'm just getting my. my She's physically clip. pretending to hold the recorder. That's Hobbiton. Um, oh. yeah. Or do 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 That's kind of tends to be more when um Legolas and Aragorn and Gimli come to the rescue. Yes. Um, the original piece was Hobbiton, as you can probably tell. I can actually play both, so I didn't want to brag about it, but I can. So I'm really hoping um, for those of you that are still with us <laughs> that hey, <Mom. laughs> um, that this isn't now your last episode you'll ever listen to because of what just happened. Um, <laughs> so <sorry>. Anyway, <laughs> <we're>, <laughs> let's anyway, um, let's yeah, think- let's wrap that up. Can we say a massive thank you to our guest today, Akushla Young from iRise? That was phenomenal. She was fine. <laughs> she was all right. She kind she of had right. a good few big words in there. Loved it. Um, and thank you for you all for listening. If you haven't yet subscribed, please do. It really feckin' helps us out. Yes, that is a really good point. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry. I just thought I ne- we never ask anyone to subscribe. Or yeah. Do we? we? We really do. They're just not doing oh, do it. Oh, do we? Um, well, please do it. Just think of it. Look, just think of it as your one good deed that you're doing yeah. this year. And then you can it's be an free. absolute sod the rest of the year. Um, And yeah, that would be very helpful. And while you're there, leave us a review. Go on. You, you're you not doing anything right now. Nobody's got anything on. Just, yeah, please. Please leave us a review. And if you do have anything that you'd like us to cover or any toilet tales, then please do email us um, at thepoodcastofficial at gmail.com. Or if you'd like to, just DM us on Twitter or Instagram. That's and fine too. And Kushla is, is proof of that. She emailed us and been like, you ain't covering this thing. I want to yeah. come on and talk about it. We this listen. isn't a promise. It's not a promise, though. It doesn't. No. Mean- <laughs> <laughs> Even going to be like, don't do this. Don't do this. <laughs> Somebody's like, I get sweaty toes too. Can we have a full episode? <laughs> Actually, would quite like to talk about yeah, that. Yeah, I'd love that. But yeah, so thanks so much for listening, and we will speak soon. Love you. Bye. Goodbye. <laughs>